1: This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly podcast, you will get the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, and baseball from HOL's Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus, and Greg Peterson. Now, here's your host, HuskerOnline.com publisher, Sean Callahan. And welcome to the 12th edition here of the HuskerOnline.com
0: podcast. We are exactly Get this, guys! One hundred days from kickoff, and it's it's the countdown. And as this countdown uh, continues here, uh, the the preseason magazines are coming out in full force. And uh, welcoming me in here to the podcast, uh, Robin Washett and Dan Hoppen. Uh, the Athlon Sports Magazine is the first one, guys, to hit the uh, the newsstands. And I don't know about you, but when I go to the grocery store in the summer and y- you start to see those, I-, I just get excited knowing that we are getting a lot closer to the start of college football.
2: Yeah, they're like the first flower blooms of spring after a long, cold winter gives you your first taste of hope that football is near.
0: <laughs> it's
3: it's so true. Uh, when, you, when you say it like 100 days, you know, that's still over three months away. That makes it sound like a long time. But Every day is a little bit closer, just one step closer.
0: So the Athlon Sports one is the first one out. We'll start to see Lindy's and Phil Steele and, and some of the other ones come out. And um, the, the Nathan Gary made the cover, guys, of the uh, the regional Big Ten uh, edition for Nebraska. And uh, they had Nebraska at number 29 um, in their top 25 poll, number two in the Big Ten West. That seems to be kind of the safe consensus pick. Wisconsin gets the nod over Nebraska right now. And pretty much every single poll I've seen.
2: Yeah, it seems like a lot of these, you know, preseason speculations are playing it pretty, you know, close to the vest with Nebraska just because there are so many unknowns around this team right now. You know, I think most Vegas uh, boogies have uh, their over-under win total right around eight, eight and a half, and I think that's about fair where it should be right now just because, you know, there seems to be enough talent to be as good as they have been in previous years, but uh, the wild card of the new coaching change uh, is kind of uh, makes you a little bit curious about what's to come.
3: I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, you, you kind of look at that number 29 ranking. I mean, if you look back at Nebraska over the last couple seasons, at the, at the end of the year, that's, you know, kind of about where they've been. They've been a team that's either, you know, uh, been, they, they kind of squeaked into the the latter end of the rankings or they've kind of been, you know, just on the outside looking in. So, I think everybody's kind of taking a cautious approach not really knowing exactly what to expect with Mike Riley coming in and and they're just kind of slotting Nebraska in those late 20s early 30s spots and just kind of waiting to see
0: yeah you look at the schedule guys and as far as ranked teams higher than Nebraska on this athlon poll, Michigan State's number seven and uh, we all know that's going to be the toughest game on the schedule mm-hmm. when they come into Memorial Stadium they have Wisconsin at number 19 those are the only two teams ranked higher than Nebraska so if you're just going off that Nebraska could, you know, in their eyes be a 10 and 2 team, but we know it's not that simple. Uh, BYU number 49, Miami's number 43, um, South Alabama and Southern Miss 108 and 116 in the non-conference. So th- I think those two non-conference games, when I look at this season, that will kind of dictate if this is a 10 and 2 type year or an eight and four type year
2: yeah is that opener against BYU is about uh, as thorough of a test as you're going to get in a season opener uh and I think that at 49 BYU is probably a little bit low in more high in my opinion mm-hmm. uh just because their offense is absolutely loaded you know they have some uh questions on defense and of course you know with the big melee they had in the bowl game last year you don't know what was the, awesome. you don't know what the suspension situation is going to be but uh just from from an depth chart standpoint right now on the offensive side of the ball with Taysom Hill coming back off that uh, leg injury uh they're they're loaded and Nebraska's defense is going to be put to a huge test right from the get-go
3: oh and they're going to have another big test in in a couple weeks obviously Miami doesn't have Duke Johnson anymore but we saw what Brad Kaya can do last year as a stud as a true freshman and you know they have skill players yeah exactly his first real road game he comes in and he played great in Lincoln, so yeah, Nebraska's gonna get two really good tests, I think, early on in the season. That I really like these games because they're not like you know top 25 opponents probably, but they're still very good tests that can kind of. Uh, you know give you a gauge of where you are yes exactly and I think that if you win those games you can get a lot of confidence and gain some real momentum going forward
2: here's here's one bit of good news though as good as those offenses especially BYU and Miami uh, are going to be hypothetically uh, both those teams have huge questions on defense you know I talked about BYU a little bit Uh, Miami has they lost a ton of talent on defense draft draft. yeah and so uh, right now you know when I was talking to Gary Furman the Miami Rivals guy for our spring recap I asked him who the star player was was on Miami's defense and he said to be honest <laughs> with you they don't have one and I was like come on there's got to be some you know high draft pick and he's like no really I mean they, they don't have a star player and so uh, they got some issues of their own and so that's good news for Tommy Armstrong or whoever the quarterback may be and, and company uh, to, to at least balance it out against those tough offenses you're
0: listening here to the Husker podcast we're talking some preseason college football magazine talk here as we lead off the show reminder you can also catch the podcast on 93.7 the ticket and Lincoln they air us on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. and also khub on the a.m. side in fremont as well on saturday mornings and uh, looking at some other big 10 teams you know minnesota number 45 iowa number 53 kind of where people tend to put those teams mm-hmm. in that six to eight win mark usually and i still think minnesota with the coaching and jerry kill and, and and what they've proved the last couple years you can never count those guys out i mean they are a team even though they lost David Cobb and um, Max Williams, Max Williams, the NFL, two great players. You know, Minnesota, when Nebraska goes up there, they're going to get a dogfight.
2: Yeah. And, you know, the, on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to be absolutely stout, especially in the secondary. And uh, you got Mitch Leidner coming back as an experienced quarterback. And with Jerry Kill's system, uh, it's really just kind of slot in pieces. I mean, uh, obviously, David Cobb was a workhorse back, and Max Williams was one of the best tight ends in, in the country last year. But uh, I think that they'll be fully capable of just slotting in new pieces and being just as effective as they were a year ago.
3: Yeah, I certainly don't think you have to worry about Nebraska overlooking this team because they've upset – Can't anymore. Yeah, Minnesota's upset them the last two years. So, if they go in overconfident, then they've got nobody to blame but themselves.
0: Penn State number 32 in the Big Ten uh, poll – or in the overall poll, uh, Michigan 34. I don't know about you guys, but 34 for Michigan seems high. I I just don't – I don't see it. Too many quarterback questions, too many questions at running back. They just haven't proven they could run the ball. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, man, him coming in there, it's just – you know, it's going it,
2: to be a circus. It's
0: going to be interesting to see that in Chicago when we're down there uh, later in July. As far as bowl games go, um, Nebraska predicted to go to the Outback Bowl. And I know, Robin, and you and I have talked about this, that if Nebraska doesn't get to one of those New Year's Six Bowls, which I mean that would be an unbelievable season, obviously, to get there, Tampa or possibly Nashville uh, for the Music City seem like the most likely bowl destinations for Nebraska you know, as, well, as far as you know, if they have like an eight win, nine win, ten win type year,
2: yeah. And you know, the Outback you get to play a, a pretty high level SEC opponent. You know, like you said, uh, Athlon hasn't played in Arkansas, projected in that, but that'd be a hell of a game. But the, oh, the yeah. Music City Bowl, you know, it, it sounds like kind of a, a joke of a bowl. But look at last year; they had LSU and Notre Dame in that game.
0: It was a really highly rated game. Yeah, and and so
2: they, that, they, that's an elite game now. I mean, it, it, you're getting some pretty darn good matchups in there. And so uh, both of those bowls, you know, obviously uh, you want higher. Expectations than that, but if that is kind of where this team is, uh, as most people kind of think, uh, that's a, p- a pretty good uh, you know start to the Mike Riley era, I think.
0: And it'll be a New Year's Day bowl. Uh, all conference guys, only one on the first team: uh, Malik Collins. Now, you know, and when you have fourteen teams in a league to make the first team, it's it's fairly difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, Demorne Pearsonell, Alex Lewis, and Nathan Gary, second teamers, Vincent Valentine, and punter Sam Fultz, third team. I'm going to say right now, I think. Valentine should have at least been on the second team, Yes. Yep. and I think Sam Foltz could arguably be on the first team when it's all said and done.
2: And they have Nate Geary on the cover of the magazine, but he's only second team, so go I, figure. I,
3: I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, I know that there are some good receivers in the conference, but Pearson, I just think they're going to use the heck out of him. I yep. wouldn't be surprised if he sneaks onto the first team, and Greg McMullen, I think, is a guy who I don't necessarily blame them for not putting him on the third team, but I think if he plays up to... His potential, that's the guy who could make the third team, maybe even the second team if he has a great year. And you, know,
0: you never know with Seath and Carter exactly, what they yeah. do at the tight end. And we we think they're going to use the tight end a lot. We saw it in spring ball, but we don't really know until that time comes. And Carter's got to prove his durability and, and stay healthy. Mm-hmm. When we come back here, guys, on the podcast, we'll shift over to the Husker baseball. Dan was with the team all season. He was out in Minneapolis uh, we'll get his final thoughts on Husker baseball as we head into the offseason. That's next here on the HOL Podcast.
1: This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Husker baseball team finishes the season at
0: 34-23. and 23. Uh, Just probably one of the more disappointing finishes you can remember in a while was a team... Dan Hoppen, that had so much potential, so much promise. They swept Texas and Lincoln. They split with Cal State, Fullerton. And at that point on this podcast, everywhere, everyone's thinking big. We're thinking, hey, maybe host a regional, definitely going to be in the tournament, has a shot at a one seed in the tournament, probably a two. It's hard to say, but then things just kind of unraveled. Nebraska goes in the Big Ten tournament, and they played well at times. I mean, they easily could have won both games against Illinois and Michigan State, and uh, kind of a microcosm of the season though this team just could not finish off their opponent when they had a chance to and um, it's going to be a kind of one of those soul-searching off seasons now for Darren Erstad and his crew
3: yeah I mean you, you look at that Big Ten tournament it pretty much <laughs> summed up the season really well right there you know they go into that Illinois game Illinois is clearly the best team in the Big Ten and Nebraska was right there played with them and end up you know giving up a run in the 8th inning and and that's the difference. And then and then you go into that Michigan State game, you have a 7 to 3 lead in the 8th inning and cough that up. You know, when it came down to the big moments in games, Nebraska for whatever reason was just unable to make those plays and the opponent was usually able to make them and that was the difference. You know, you mentioned how hot this team started. They won 23 of their first 30 games. They looked great and then they went out and got swept uh at Maryland and just from there the season just kind of you know slowly circled the drain uh you know there were still some things you know to look back upon with this season and be happy about but obviously as a whole yeah this is not what Darren Nurse had wanted and he understands that the expectation is higher here and uh and, you know having more seasons like this really isn't acceptable
0: i also think too dan when you look at it just the way the big 10 rose up nobody ever could have thought that this was going to be a a five bid league and nebraska had to play pretty much all of those teams and even a couple of bubble bubble team i mean schedule wise they were not the computer or however the big 10 does it did not give them a great draw and they saw a lot of good teams and they just didn't rise up and you have to tip your hat to the league in general because i think this big 10 has gotten so much better in baseball and and nebraska just didn't rise up with them
3: yeah well absolutely i mean this is potentially i would argue this is the probably the best baseball season the big 10 has ever had easily but but i mean you know you go back yeah nebraska had a tough schedule there's there's no debating that but you you know you go back you lose two or three games to purdue at home you know you lose a game against northwestern these are some of the worst teams in the conference uh you lose yes to minnesota you lose two to ohio state at home you get swept by both maryland and iowa on the road i mean those are you know th- those are the type of thing, even against those tough teams you got to find a way to win one or two games in a series if you're getting swept you know, that that's that's not just randomness. That's not just having a tough schedule, being unlucky. That's not having it. And this team just didn't have it in those games.
0: We're putting a wrap here on the Husker baseball season with Dan Hoppen as Nebraska moves into the offseason at 34-23. and 23, uh, Did not qualify for a regional, Dan. And uh, the, the Major League Baseball draft will be coming up here um, sometime. Is in, It's in June, right? Mm-hmm. And you look at this team. What guys have a chance to get drafted? In it? I mean, do you expect some players that are draft eligible to to possibly go? Well,
3: unlike the last couple of years where we saw, you know, where Nebraska kind of had to sweat out some guys like, uh, you know, Monte Harrison, Jackson Reitz last year, Ryan Bolt a couple of years ago, even losing Pat Kelly and Aaron Bummer last year, I don't think Nebraska really has that same worry uh, this time around. Ryan Bolt can't leave yet, so he's not a guy that you have to worry about. I don't know. You know, if there's anyone else on the current roster that you that really looks like a draft risk, I think Colton Howell is potentially a guy that you could look at. He's, a, you know, the fireballing reliever. He had a very good year this year. Um, you know, he, he's he got major league stuff. He's He's got tremendous stuff uh, that can be developed. You know, it just depends what he's thinking, you know, where he gets drafted. If he does get drafted, maybe that's the guy who could think about it. But other than him, I don't know if I really see anyone on this team um, who could potentially, you know, decide to take that take that jump and uh and leave early I think maybe one other guy that I might look at um incoming freshman the catcher Jesse Wilkening who actually just set the uh state of Indiana record for hits um it was this past weekend or two uh, i think it's just this past weekend that he did that so he's obviously a very talented kid but I don't know if he's a guy who's going to get drafted you know in those first couple of rounds which is usually where you see the high school kids go I would fully expect him to be on campus in the fall
0: now as far as seniors go who are the big losses obviously Kyle Kubat is one that comes to mind right away well
3: Kyle Kubot and Chance Sinclair th-
0: those, those are the two biggest ones without question I mean they really locked
3: down those Friday and Saturday starts all year long and you know you look at their records both of them finished under 500 as far as wins and losses go but when you look at those ERAs they were spectacular Nebraska's offense just let them down time and time again, and and speaking of that offense, you know you probably lose other than Ryan Bolt, your most consistent hitter in Tanner Lubach. This guy hit over 300, uh, tied for the team lead in home runs, was was very solid, and then you know a couple other guys who kind of slumped at the end of the year, but Blake Headley and Austin Darby were both you know, for pretty much their entire careers, their, the past three or four years were pretty significant contributors to this lineup. So Nebraska is going to have some pieces to replace, as well as Josh Rader, the closer. Can't forget him. Now he's the school's all-time leader in saves.
0: I know we talked about this off-air, but Nebraska still has not released a list of the recruiting class. So what what kind of mysteries are involved in that right now as, as we go into the offseason, not really knowing who Darren Erstad and Ted Silva are going to add to this team.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, we've got a pretty good idea um, at Husker Online. We've got a pretty good list put together. There's there's a lot of good pitching prospects on it. Uh, a couple um, middle infield guys, I think, that you know could make things interesting, even though Nebraska's got a lot of veterans at those positions. But, you know, I think as it's been explained to me, it's just kind of one of those things where when uh, when the list was supposed to be released back in, you know, January or maybe February – Um, Darren Ursaid was kind of still ironing out some things with a couple guys, you know, a couple late ads, they didn't necessarily know uh, you know, how things were going to play out with those guys and you know, it just kind of got kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and I think it's just kind of gotten to the point where you know, it's so late now where they they might not even release you know an uh, official release on on who the incoming class is and in the fall we might get our first look at those guys but it's going to be another strong class for Darren um I I don't think it's going to be as strong as last year's class obviously there's no Monty Harrison there's no Jackson Reitz in this class but there are some good players who can come in and contribute
0: now Dan you were in Minneapolis at the Big Ten tournament and um, you know next year it moves back to Omaha what were your thoughts in Minnesota without the Gophers there obviously they didn't have a home team but Was it a little better than the last time you were there, about the same? I mean, what were your thoughts on the setup um, of the conference tournament this year?
3: It was probably about the same attendance-wise, which is not good for the Big Ten. Uh, I mean, obviously, Target Field is just a beautiful ballpark. It's really a perfect setup, I I think, for the Big Ten tournament. I think Minneapolis is a great – Spacious. Yes. (laughs) There's a lot of seats. Uh, Minneapolis is a great city to have it in. like I said, Target Field is a perfect field for it. But I mean, the crazy thing is, you know, spending a couple days up there, went out to eat, you know, several places, went to a couple bars, watched TV and stuff. You don't see any banners out on the streets. I didn't see one uh, commercial on TV, you know, no advertisements anywhere. You could easily be three or four blocks away from Target Field having lunch or something at a restaurant and have no idea that the Big Ten tournament is being played less than half a mile away from you. And I think, you know, if it's advertised more, you know, are the crowds going to be huge like they were in Omaha? No, I I just don't think that the same support is there, but you could at least put an effort in. I feel like I I don't think the big 10 or the city of Minneapolis, I don't know who who the responsibility falls on, but I think some of those sinking attendance numbers, you gotta, you know, you gotta put that on those parties because they just didn't
0: advertise at all. It will be interesting to see what happens in Omaha with the big East. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, they, They drew a lot better than they did for their standards, but it it didn't touch Big Ten numbers. No, 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 no. Uh, I think 2,400 was the Friday night announced crowd for a Creighton game at 7 o'clock on a Friday night. And that, that was generous, according to Andy Kendi, who was there. Mm-hmm. Now, that might have been tickets sold or who, who knows. So,
3: Creighton 10s inflate their numbers a little bit. It,
0: it will be interesting to see what the Big East does because there's a lot of cost involved in the Big East and shipping all those teams to a place like Omaha for the conference tournament because obviously Omaha is the furthest west Big East school. Will, the, will they continue to want to have it in Omaha at Creighton Stadium? And will the Big 10 – look at ever wanting to make omaha a permanent destination for a conference tournament just from the pure revenue standpoint if they can draw you know six to twenty thousand at some of these games
3: oh yeah i think if given the opportunity i think the big ten would jump you know at at that chance you just look at the attendance numbers they put up last year i mean that those numbers rivaled you know pretty much any conference tournament in the country And, you know, you look at the past two times that the Big Ten tournament's been in Minneapolis. I remember my first year on the job, it was in Columbus. (laughs) That was a joke. Oh, my gosh. There was nobody. Oh, man. Yeah, that was a mess. You know, you you can take probably the total attendance from those three tournaments, and it didn't even come close to matching probably two or three games from what we saw at TD Ameritrade last year. So I think given the opportunity, the Big Ten would love – to throw it normal every year. I mean, you get the crowds and everything, and you're playing in TD Ameritrade, which is the home of the College World Series. There's something special to that.
0: Yeah, talking to Kevin Kugler, um, who, who broadcasted that game, he said the folks at the BTN still talk about that game. Oh, I'm sure. As yeah. one of their, their favorite events they've ever broadcasted on the network. Well, Dan, you did a great job um, covering baseball all season long. Uh, we'll definitely have still plenty coming, though, with the draft and, and and possibly some late recruits. But thanks again for all your great coverage this season.
3: Yeah, my pleasure, Sean.
0: We come back here on the podcast. Robin Washett will talk more basketball as uh, Tim Miles gets a new contract and also the the pay has been released, or the updated contracts on the assistant coaches.
1: You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We shift our talk here over to
0: basketball as we bring Robin Washette back in. Dan Hoppen still with us here as uh, we, we talk more about Tim Miles uh, getting a new contract. I mean, not earth-shattering news, Robin, but uh, he did join the uh, $2 million club uh, with this new deal. Uh, Tim, Tim Miles extended by athletic director Sean Eichhorst through the 2020 season, and that's standard stuff. I mean, most coaches that are in good terms uh, have their contracts always have at least four years on them. For recruiting purposes, and it's guaranteed money, obviously. Then uh, the pay for assistant coaches: uh, uh, Bruno is going to make two hundred and forty-eight thousand, Molinari two forty-four, Kenya Hunter two forty-three. So really, all three of those assistants um, make relatively the same amount of money, and. Um, it's it's a lot less than what football coaches get um, from the assistant standpoint but that's that's usually the case in basketball but any thoughts on that Robin as as we kind of look at the future with Tim Miles
2: like you said it was kind of standard procedure I think it would have been bigger news if they hadn't extended him Uh, like you said it's uh, more of just kind of a a way to eliminate that factor of negative recruiting saying that you know this coach is in limbo his contracts only to this time so uh, locking him up uh so through 2020 was it was the right move and um you know maybe one of the more surprising things was uh maybe their most productive recruiter since Tim Miles has been in Lincoln Kenya Hunter is now the lowest paid assistant coach which uh you know it's only by you know uh, what a thousand bucks a year, or so I get behind Molinari. But uh, you know, still, uh, I think that that was probably you know something that um, you know the the fact that Rashawn Berno comes in and is all immediately the highest paid coach. And what's interesting is his salary basically doubled from what it was in Florida. That's so, unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Like he, so his pay in Florida was in the right around in- one hundred and sixty.
2: Wow. Yeah, I had no idea. You think it would have been higher. So this was Mm -hmm. obviously uh, you can see that uh, this was a good move on several terms for (laughs) for Rashawn Berno. But uh, yeah, like like you said, it's kind of more just standard procedure by the university and uh, the the right move to do at this point. You're looking uh,
0: now going forward, Robin, as we as we look at more roster movement. First of all, where are they at on the numbers? What does Nebraska have left open for this upcoming year that they need to fill?
2: Yeah, they have one scholarship available for 2015 and two for 2016. So, uh, not a lot of numbers to work with here. You know, obviously they're still searching to find, uh, you know, that one last piece, ideally in the low post uh, for 2015 16. And uh, that search continues with uh, some transfer news that's popped up. And, uh, you know, obviously they're still going full force uh, the 2016 and 17, 18 and beyond
0: yeah update us on that robin uh nebraska bringing in a, a visitor from providence a, a potential transfer
2: yeah seven foot two center so all you guys that have been clamoring for nebraska to start recruiting big men here you go he can't get much bigger than that uh he's uh, his name is pascal chuck uh you know he didn't he didn't do a whole lot at providence you know like two points where's he two, from uh connecticut uh, well, well I don't know what his native origin is but you know he's he went to high school in Connecticut uh anyway he's uh you know just a, a shot blocking force if you watch any of his highlight videos I mean as you would expect and not only is he seven two but he's got arms that can seemingly hit the top of the square on the backboard <laughs> it's it's unbelievable Dave Hoppesque no that's <laughs> a lot bigger than Dave Hopp I can tell you that much but uh yeah so they uh are against some pretty steep. Competition. Uh, you know, Kansas was one of the first schools to get involved with him uh, when he decided to leave. Providence. Uh, They still have yet to confirm an official visit, and so Nebraska uh, is going to bring him in uh, reportedly on June 1st and 2nd, which is his first scheduled official visit since leaving Providence, and so Kansas is still trying to set up a visit, and also uh, recently Michigan State and Virginia are also trying to get involved, and so uh, Nebraska certainly is going to be up against it, uh, going up against blue bloods like that, but uh, the fact is they're the only ones that have a visit scheduled at this point.
3: Correct me if I'm wrong, but he wouldn't be eligible for this upcoming season would he
2: yeah he would have to sit out the red you know, shirt to you still right. Okay, yeah right so a 2016 guy
3: looking at a guy who could potentially contribute this season where do things kind of stand with max bielfeld you know we haven't heard from him in a couple
2: of weeks since he visited just kind of you know
3: Is there any update on him or where he stands?
2: Yeah, that's the the big question right now uh, because really no one knows what's going on with Max. You know, last time uh, we talked with him and our Indiana guys talked with him, uh, he said he was probably going to make a decision uh, over the holiday weekend this past weekend. And, uh, you know, here we are, you know, at the the end of the week and we still haven't heard anything. So uh, I I think it's just kind of one of those deals where he's still kind of processing his decision. And I wonder how much of this has to do with the situation at Iowa State. You know because the Bulls mm. and uh, Tom Thibodeau uh, are really kind of starting to figure what they're going to do and then what, what implications is that going to have on Fred Hoiberg uh, so that I think that maybe he's holding off on that because Iowa State was the first school to really go hard uh, after Max Bielefeld after he'd left Michigan they're but, transfer you basically yeah I mean mm-hmm. exactly it's an about situation. All success with situation yeah and so obviously they're kind of a, a big player in this and so uh, if Fred Hoiberg were to leave, I think it comes down to Nebraska, Indiana, obviously. Uh, but I think Indiana still has the upper hand, in my opinion. Um, so I think right now they're just probably waiting it out to see what happens well, with, with Iowa State. What about
0: Tom Crean, though? You have to think his seat is definitely warmed out yeah, there.
2: That's a factor, but here's the deal. He, he's only playing for one year. And so Tom Green is coming back next season. And so you're going to basically get good amount of playing time on a top 15 team. And uh, the the here and now is all Max Bielefeld really needs to worry about.
0: We're talking Husker basketball storylines with Robin Washett here and Dan Hoppen on the HOL podcast. Robin, you were out in Minneapolis this weekend uh, for the big AAU circuit A number of tournaments going on up there Uh, every year. Minnesota kind of has a weekend where they rule the the roost for AAU basketball. Any big takeaways that you came away with? I know you spoke to a number of Husker targets out there, and we're going to have plenty of stories on those guys uh, on Husker Online here uh, over the next week or two. Uh, What were your thoughts from Minnesota?
2: Well, the first thing for me was finally getting a chance to see uh, Nebraska's lone 2016 commit uh, Isaiah Roby uh, I see him in person for the first time and uh, he'd been swinging up you know he was playing with Quad City Elite which is a good program but you know not quite at the Nike EYBL level which is kind of the cream of the crop and so the last two sessions including this past weekend he's been swinging up with uh, Space Indy Heat which is the the big program there in uh, the state of Indiana and you know obviously it's been an adjustment for him you know athletically speaking I, I think for just from my perspective he's as uh, good as any player on the court, but it's just a confidence thing with him right now, and just adjusting to the speed of the game. And so, uh, if anything, these last two tournaments uh, that you know he's played with uh, Spies have been a good taste of you know what life is going to be like at the next level because you're playing against four and five star kids every single game, uh, and the, the 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 speed of the game is so much bigger than anything he's seen in high school or even with his former AAU team. And so, this has been a great learning experience for him. And uh, when I talked to him, he just said basically he's using this as uh, a way to every single game just try and you know continue to adjust and uh you know really kind of take his game to that next level
3: uh just real quickly robin we've kind of seen you know this is kind of that time of the year before the nba draft where prospects kind of start taking visits uh teran pedway uh you know that's nebraska's guy to watch in this draft he he had a pretty good performance at the combine he's been taking some visits around i mean i guess you know what, what have you seen with him and
2: you know is this a good sign? That he's kind of getting these visits. Well, he's going through the grind right now. Uh, you know, this is kind of where he's going to make or break his NBA future. Is in these these individual meetings and workouts he's having with teams. Uh, he's worked out with and had meetings with the Seventy Sixers, uh, the Indiana Pacers, the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, the, those are. I think he was going to have one with Utah but that got you know rescheduled for whatever reason but uh, I mean he's he's going across the country and working out as hard as he can so I'm sure that he's kind of uh, you know on, on running on fumes right now but again this is this is where he's going to really make his mark and uh, kind of shed that stigma of you know the whatever negative um, you know stereotypes people had of him as a player at Nebraska this is where they're gonna see you know kind of the real player in person that uh, you know he truly is well
0: there should be plenty of news to follow with the transfer stuff and obviously recruiting and uh, the NBA draft make sure You stick with HuskerOnline.com for the latest. When we come back here on the
1: podcast, we'll bring Nate Klaus back and uh, talk a little Big Red Recruiting. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
0: Back here on the HOL podcast, we shift over to recruiting talk as we bring back Nate Klaus into the podcast as uh, Nebraska kind of in a – not a recruiting lull but a quiet period Uh, the evaluation period is over Nate and uh, things will really start to pick up though with summer camps and other things going on and I think right now though for us at HOL our our eyes have moved over back to this 2015 class on who's going to make it to campus because um, the first day of summer school and workouts will be here before you know it Um, it's June 7th I believe is the first day or June 8th is when summer school starts on that Monday so really about two weeks and everybody should be here we've checked in already nate with a number of these guys and and stanley morgan was was somewhat of a surprise he's already in lincoln right now and that's obviously a good sign
4: yeah it's a great sign to have stanley morgan on campus you're talking about you know an impact wide receiver potentially you know early impact guy that's on campus uh so that's a great sign you know this is the time of year where Uh, you know you always have some guys in every recruiting class that are kind of on the fence you know academically and and you 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 kind of find out who put in the work to to you know make sure they're going to be able to make it on campus and and who maybe didn't but uh so far it looks like each and every one of Nebraska's signees is going to is going to make it on campus at some point in time. Now everyone will be uh, on campus for the the first session of summer school, except for Matt Snyder because he doesn't graduate until mid to late June. So he'll be here uh, in Lincoln on in July for for that second session. But uh, it's pretty interesting, you know. You've got a roster that's that's uh, you know potentially over scholarship limit, and then uh, you're bringing in uh, you know 16 guys, uh, you know, in addition to the early enrollees. That already on campus.
0: Yeah, at spring ball with everybody, Nebraska's at 88. But, you know, I think we all assume that Marl Bondi was one guy that wouldn't be coming back from all the reports. But uh, it would be interesting to see because Muhammad Barry, Nate, was one. I know that there was a lot of question if he could make it. And that was one of the reasons why Nebraska might have been able to get him, uh, you know, talking to other recruiting colleagues around the nation. They said if this guy had grades in line, Nebraska wouldn't have got Muhammad Barry. So he, he is on track at this point.
4: He says uh, that he's going to be here on June sixth. So apparently yeah, he's on track. I know that that he worked awful hard. Uh, had you know his coaching staff at his school uh, helping him uh, to you know to stay you know stay on top of everything. I know that he had uh, a tutor outside of uh, of class uh, to you know to help him with uh, the, you know retaking the ACT and, and things like that. So, uh, but you're right. You know he if he had if he was a surefire early know, qualifier early qualifier he would have had he would have had offers from everybody in the country. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why he had committed to Kansas State there for a while is because they had, you know, some good options lined up for him to, uh, you know, if he didn't make it to go to a junior college. But he, it appears that he's going to be on campus. And from talking with him, uh, Nebraska is expecting him to to play this season and to make an impact uh, in some form.
0: We're talking recruiting storylines here with Nate Klaus on the HuskerOnline.com podcast. And, Nate, you know, from your previous experience in Nebraska, You've worked obviously on the other end of the business and, uh, you know, at at Nebraska when you were there and you've seen the academic folks work firsthand. What do they do differently maybe than other schools that get these guys qualified? Because I think Nebraska does have a very good success rate once Dennis LeBlanc and his crew get their hands on these kids and can look at the records and talk to the academic counselors at their schools. Uh, They find ways to get kids
4: in. And there's no question about it. The folks in the Academic uh, Resources Center at Nebraska, they earn every penny that they get paid because uh, they're extremely good at l- examining a kid's uh, transcripts and figuring out, okay, what's he lacking? What what does he need to do uh, in order to qualify and get into Nebraska? And then putting a plan in place and laying it out, uh, you know, an attainable goal, an attainable plan to, to make it on campus. And I think that maybe is what separates them from other people around the country is because when the, the academic department lays that plan out, then a coach can go to that kid, uh, he can go to the to that kid's coach or the kid's parents and say, Hey, we have it all laid out for you. If you follow this, this plan, step-by-step step, you're going to make it to college and you're going to be at a, at a program like Nebraska and uh, you know, get an education and, and play some great football. So I think that's really probably what, what helps to separate those folks from, you know, uh, some other schools around the country. All
0: right. Shifting back over now to 2016, 2017 talk, uh, ben Stilley, Noah Fant, the two in-state players with Nebraska offers that have not yet committed um, in in this class. Uh, ben Stilley, I know I talked to him, and uh, the big hang-up on him, Nate, is uh, he, he just wants to to meet with Hank Hughes at the camp, uh, and I think once that happens, he's going to be a commit to Nebraska. Now, the other one still is Noah Fant, and you spoke with Noah this week. You'll have an update um, on Husker Online here uh, on that. But give us an idea on what's going on with Noah. I think a lot of us thought maybe he'd, he'd be a commit to Nebraska by June or at, at this point, and, and there's still some question going forward.
4: Well, originally Noah, you know, following the spring game, he had said that he wanted to commit in early May. And then, uh, you know, then that got pushed back because he decided to go visit Vanderbilt on May 7th. Uh, He comes back from the Vanderbilt trip, uh, you know, enjoyed that visit and said that now he was going to push things back and try to commit early June. So it looked like maybe he was going to be a guy that committed at one of Nebraska's Big Red weekends. Uh, He is planning on attending uh, the, the Big Red weekend on June 6th. But now that, that commitment date has been pushed back to July. He's going to be going to some other camps and taking some other visits. He told me uh, specifically unofficial visit-wise he's going to be going back to Iowa, uh, be making a return trip there. He's going to be going to, out to Oregon. And maybe that's the, the, the biggest wild card in this whole factor right now, maybe Oregon, because uh, they've been recruiting him for a while. He, he's got a great relationship with Scott Frost. Uh, they haven't offered him, but they want to get him on campus. Uh, see him in person uh, once again, and and uh, you know, he, and kind of see him work out too. So, uh, and the interesting thing about Oregon is the fact that they're recruiting him as an outside linebacker. They run that three-four. They see him as a guy that, that can be that that outside linebacker could walk up, rush off the edge, or operate in space. So. Um, And he kind of likes that idea. So um, I don't know if they're going to offer or not, but he's going up there. He's going to be spending the time and money to go up there uh, in hopes of getting one. And then, uh, you know, and then he plans on deciding in in early July, he said, right now.
0: in Michigan and Michigan State as well, right? He's going to go to camps there?
4: Yeah. uh, He had told me that those weren't set in stone yet, but those are two places that uh, were, you know, possible destinations for him to camp at as well
0: and then lastly nate here on our weekly storylines with recruiting uh over the weekend nebraska had a big memorial day visitor uh, jake moretti a top 2017 four-star offensive lineman out of colorado a tackle no doubt a high priority guy for Nebraska in 2017. A huge priority
4: for Nebraska. He's a Rivals 100 kid, you know, 6'5, 280 pound uh, offensive lineman, offensive tackle uh, you know, that's out of Colorado. Those are the types of kids that you have to get, you know, at Nebraska. So uh, getting him on campus is, is big for Nebraska uh, this early on. You know, you're talking about a player that already has offers from programs like Notre Dame, Ohio State, UCLA, um, you know, Arizona State, Michigan. So uh, he enjoyed his visit. Uh, Absolutely loved Coach Kavanaugh in the weight room. And, uh, you know, I I think that we'll be seeing Jake Moretti visit Nebraska again in the future.
0: All right. When you come back here, we'll wrap up the show as we take an early look at the Shrine Bowl as camps begin to open here over the weekend. And also Nebraska's summer camps will begin. That's all next here on the
1: H.O.L. podcast. (laughs) This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
0: Final segment here of the podcast as Nebraska begins uh, their summer camps here next week, but also it will kick off Nate Klaus, uh, the Shrine Bowl, as camps open this weekend. And it's probably one of the more intriguing Shrine Bowl rosters we've seen in a number of years. It's the first time that both Nebraska commits have played in the game in a long time. I think the last time we've seen Nebraska guys play, Daniel Davey played, David Sutton played um, in in the Shrine Bowl about four years ago. Uh, But other than that, we have not seen Nebraska players play. But that was one of the things Mike Riley was big about. He said, hey, you know what, go play in the game. It's for a good cause. Larry Martin called Mike Riley and asked him about Michael Decker um, and and then Jay Ball got that okay when Larry told him, and so Deshaun Neal's also going to play in this game, and um, that's the way it always has been. And I, I'm glad those guys are going to get to play in that game because it goes to a great cause.
4: Well, and it, it makes the game you know more interesting. It makes the game better. You're having the the top players in the state uh, actually participate in the game. That that of course goes to a great cause uh, and draw more attention, more eyes to everything. So I, I think it's a, a great deal. Um, you know, to see those Nebraska commits playing in the game. And, and overall, I mean, um, I mean this. both rosters are pretty well loaded with the, the very top guys in the state, um, you know, that are committed to, you know, some of the, the other top programs. Uh, so uh, probably the best two rosters, you know, in quite some time.
0: Yeah, I'll go down some of the notable names in the game. Uh, Finn Anderson from Lincoln Southeast is in Nebraska, walk-on. Uh, Brian Arp from Kearney, an Ohio recruit that's going to play for Frank Solage. Uh, There are six, Nate, South Dakota State recruits now in the game. Uh, The latest Marquise Lewis from Omaha North was added. Omaha North's Calvin Strong uh, was scratched for a family reason. Um, He's a South Dakota recruit, but he'll be replaced by Marquise Lewis um, on the North roster. But sticking on the South roster, Matt Clark from Syracuse. Uh, Ryan Erath from papillion Vista South, also a South Dakota State recruit. Jake Harms from Crete, a South Dakota State recruit. By the way, that kid threw the shot over fifty feet at state, and he runs like a horse. I mean, that that he's definitely a sleeper guy that no one really had an eval on. Uh, Adam Holtorf from C- uh, Seward, a Kansas State recruit. Noah Johnson, Nebraska walk-on. Deshaun Neal, Nebraska recruit. Isaiah Ramsey, uh, an Iowa Western quarterback recruit from Scut, and Luke Sellers. Another Papillion-Lavista South guy uh, going South Dakota State, and that was one that you and I both really liked, that Nebraska nearly offered if Matt Clark, uh, you know, not Matt Clark, um, Matt Snyder wouldn't have been a recruit, Nate. I think that's somebody uh, Nebraska might have looked at late, uh, sticking on that South roster. Still, they're loaded on the South team. Jessup Workman, South Dakota State recruit from Beatrice. Connor Young, a Nebraska walk-on uh, from COZAD. And then on the North squad, not quite as many names, Uh, But Michael Decker, Nebraska recruit, scholarship recruit. Wyatt Mizuer from Boone Central, Nebraska walk-on. Uh, you'll have a um, South Dakota State recruit in Marquise Lewis, as I mentioned earlier, and then Adriel Taylor from Miller North, an Ohio recruit. So uh, loaded. I mean, we spend a lot of time there going through those names, a lot of players.
4: Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, you know, maybe the guy that I'm most um, interested to see, you know, is probably Wyatt Mazur. You know, uh, with him coming off of the, the performance he had in the state championship game, you know, uh, scoring you know, through the air, on the ground, uh, punt return. Uh, he's he's a dynamic player. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he performs, you know, against some of the top uh, talent in the state.
0: Yeah, because on paper, I think the South team is definitely the better team, top to bottom. Uh, they have just – they're loaded. I mean, they have all those South Dakota State guys um, to go along with, you know, Deshaun Neal and Holtorf, Holtorf and some really, really talented yeah. players. So. Uh, That will be interesting to see because we haven't seen Wyatt Mazur play against that kind of competition. I was selfishly hoping we could see Calvin Strong play against that talent as well to see what he could do one last time, and uh, we won't get that chance, obviously, uh, as he was a late scratch um, on the roster. Now, Nate, camps do start for Nebraska starting Monday, and it's going to be a fairly busy schedule Um, for the next two weeks in Lincoln, um, just looking at how they're going to break it up. Monday this week and Monday next week are going to be the big man camps. Then Tuesday this week, Tuesday next week will be the QB and skill camps. Um, They'll have some youth camps worked in the middle of the week. Friday they'll have special teams camps both Fridays in the afternoon and then Friday nights will be the Friday night lights camp so um, a lot of recruiting stuff that will be going on here the next two weeks in Lincoln.
4: Yeah it's going to be a busy camp season I like the way that they've broken it down Uh, made it these one day camps made the price uh, you know $50 to come instead of you know having these three day sessions that kind of drug out and and, you know we're close to $400 to to come to, to you know attend for all three days so uh, but, uh, you know, the thing that I'm really looking forward to seeing out of these camps is, uh, you know, what, what area players kind of emerge, what, if there's going to be some young guys from the state or, or from surrounding areas that, that kind of emerge. Um, you know, if any of the in-state guys can earn scholarships, you know, where do they where are they going to rank on Nebraska's board following these camps? And then, of course, the Friday Night Lights camp. Uh, you know, I, I kind of like that the idea. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing you know what type of talent they're able to attract uh, because that's supposed to be the whole premise behind that is you know more of your elite uh, recruit type of type of player to, to come and compete in that scenario. And and we already know that uh, guys like Keyshawn Johnson Jr., who's a 2017 Rivals one a wide receiver. Um, his quarterback, uh, Tristan Gebbia, um, who's also a four, uh, four-star receiver, and uh, uh, 2016 Rivals 250 DB uh, Markell Dismuke, uh, who's committed to Cal. Uh, but is, all three of those guys are coming back for Friday Night Lights camp. Wow. That's uh, and that's that's some big-time star power right there. And and keep in mind, this will be the third time that Keyshawn Z- Johnson Jr. And, and that crew have been to Nebraska. To to Lincoln uh, since March. Um, so when, when you really put that into perspective and compare it to all the other visits that they've gone on, you have to feel pretty good about where Nebraska's sit, sitting with these guys. And and I think, you know, if an offer came to that quarterback, Tristan Gebbia, who Keyshawn Johnson Jr. told me he would love to continue to play with him, uh, I don't think it would be unrealistic to see some commitments coming out of that group. Um, and then Markel Dismuke, who's committed to Cal, you know, this Nebraska offer – may have changed some things there and for the for him to to be coming on his second visit as well Um, You know, it's pretty interesting. So I think we're going to see, you know, those Friday night light camps kind of bleed into big red weekends and and potentially some, you know, quite a few commits coming out of these next two weeks.
0: Well, that wraps it up here for another edition of the HOL podcast. It's going to be a very busy week with the Shrine Bowl, uh, the Omaha MG camp and Husker camp starting up. So make sure you stick on Husker online as we'll have plenty of coverage here throughout the week.
1: Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.